0: Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we began yesterday's broadcast by considering how civil discourse in our country has all but broken down. Our culture is growing increasingly toxic. In fact, I was just reading an article this morning about how it's being described as a cancer culture uh, and increasingly polarized. So how do we as Christians navigate with our speech in this culture? Unfortunately, there are many scriptures that God has given us concerning our speech. Colossians 4.6 talks about letting our speech always be gracious, seasoned with salt. Or Ephesians 3.15 says that we are to speak the truth in love. But the verse that I want to talk about today is from Ecclesiastes 3.7, which says that there is a time to keep silent and a time to speak. Clearly, the scripture is telling us that there is a time under heaven when it is right and proper and God-pleasing to simply be silent. But on the other hand, there's a time when we must speak and not to speak would be sinful. So when it comes to this idea, brothers, how do we determine which to do when? And I think that C.S. Lewis was very keen to point out in his book, The Screwtape Letters, that what the devil always does is to incite the exact opposite course of action that we ought to take. He said this, quote, the game is to have us running about with fire extinguishers whenever there is a flood and all crowding to that side of the boat, which is nearly gun whale underwater. Isn't that a great quote? So awesome. So brothers, how do we avoid these extremes? So let's just start there. If there's a time to speak, what issues must the church speak up on? What issues would it be sinful for us to be silent on?
1: I'm not sure if the the answer is is when, but how. I, I'm I'm more concerned with how because there are time, you know, there's always a time to speak and in in this sense because in the same book of Ecclesiastes it says the words of the wise man's mouth win him favor but the lips of fools consume him and the, it also says in Ecclesiastes 9:17 the words of the wise heard in quiet are better than the shouting of a ruler among fools so i i i think there's all there's a lot of balance in that book of Ecclesiastes about even you know our our silence we're not Altogether silent. We're not altogether out there, you know, uh, shouting from the rooftops. And I think that you know we need to know our audience, you know, know to whom we're speaking, and then be very careful in that speech. Um, you know, we can. We're called to speak prophetically at times about sin and and the and the fact that the wages of sin is death. We're supposed to speak prophetically about those things. But we're also spe- supposed to make sure, as Colossians says, that our, our speech is gracious and seasoned with salt. And, and the one that did this, of course, was the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, he could actually say, you brood of vipers. <laughs> who <laughs> you know, And even John the Baptist, you brood of vipers, who told you to flee from the wrath to come? I mean, there's, there's that. But there was a gospel presentation that followed. It was an identification of where they were. And then there was, there was uh, grace. And the word Jesus says, come unto you, me, all you who are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. So there's a, there's a both and. Um, I'm not sure it's, I, th- I think it's a, a how issue is what um, Ecclesiastes will bring us to.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Proverbs 26 has this inter- interesting little um, back-to-back verse. Verse four says, answer not a fool according to his folly, lest you be like him yourself. But the next verse says, answer a fool according to his folly
1: you have to know what kind of fool you're dealing with that's
3: right lest he be wise in his own eyes and so this is going back to what um josh was talking about in in ecclesiastes there's a there's a time to be silent there's a time to speak and sometimes it is about the issue um sometimes it's about the the particular person you're engaging with um I used to have a a saying that I used when I was a teacher that sometimes I would not say things to my students and I would just say pearls to swine, pearls to swine. That if I would say it, I would just be throwing pearls to swine. There would be no appreciation of the value of of the information I was trying to convey to them. There would be no um, significant reason to share it other than to just say it, um, that there wasn't Mm -hmm. a receptive spirit on the other side. And so you have to you have to know: a is the issue itself worthy of, of the engagement? And there are significant gospel issues, truth issues, um, that need to be to be talked about. There are moments where where the church must speak in behalf of the truth of the of the Word of God, and there are times that we are silent because to speak would simply be. Um, answering a fool according to his folly that there would be no productive use of engaging in a conversation and and that's where you have to be sensitive to the leading and prompting of the holy spirit to say is this a time to engage is this a time to say it's not going to produce the, the really the desired effect yeah,
2: yeah and, and sometimes that image of, of casting pearls before a swine uh, that, that could be Easily interpreted as being in, insulting. Well, you know, you're you're a pig, so I'm not gonna I'm not gonna share with you the the pearls of God's truth. But the, the think about that image for a moment. Uh, if if I'm if I'm Farmer Brown and I uh, get up in the morning and I take my wife's string of pearls and I walk out into the barnyard and the pig is out there rolling in the mud and I take my wife's String of pearls, and I throw them down in front of the pig, and the, and the pig stomps on them and presses them down into the mud. Who's stupid, me or the pig? Uh, <laughs> the, <laughs> Wait, do we get an answer to answer this? <laughs> Is that it? would it, that be civil if we yes. did? <laughs> Remember, we're talking about civil discourse. <laughs> no, um, and so um, it, it also calls to mind for me uh, this whole issue. Um, in the Christian youth ministry, Young Life, they have a saying that you have to earn the right to be heard, uh, to share the gospel with a young person. Yeah. And um, that, that's, yeah. that's true of any relationship, any, any Christian relationship. You have to earn the right to be heard. That's like that uh, phrase,
1: um, people don't want to uh, you know. I'm messing it up. <laughs> how much you yeah. know until yeah. they know how much you care. Right, exactly.
2: Yeah, exactly, and 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 earn the right to be heard. Build you know, build a relationship, and even and even in a very brief relationship, in a brief exchange, listen. And and just by just even in in a brief acquaintanceship, where differing views are, are being expressed, and you have an opportunity to to share God's truth from God's Word, you might even have an opportunity to share the gospel. Um, have you listened? Have you listened enough that that individual knows that you respect them and 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 you're receptive or and, and that that you are at least willing to listen to what they have to say? I, I
0: would just struggle making that an absolute rule because, like, I think uh, on yesterday's program, Jonathan, you talked about how the church and even ministers are supposed to speak prophetically. Like, I think there's a time when Christians. Uh, like Okay, so think about in terms of air war versus ground war. Like ground war, like an individual Christian, yeah, I think that's a pretty good principle to run by. But I don't think that the, the church has to earn a right to speak with every single person in order to speak prophetically into a culture. Well. And one of the things that I'm concerned about is that you, you mentioned kind of in between our, our broadcasts about how you know Luther talked about how we can overreact. You, you shove a drunk guy up on a horse and he falls off one side and then he falls off the other side. And we're really good, like, like Lewis said, That the game is to keep us running about with fire extinguishers whenever there's a flood. So as we see civil discourse breaking down in society, what I'm concerned with is that Christians would overreact and say, Well, I don't want to add any more enmity. I don't want to put any more
1: fuel on that fire. Yeah.
0: So I'll just I'll just kinda keep silent. And that's the exact opposite that needs to happen.
1: Well, I think there's there's more than just the prophetic approach, you know, calling out sin and, and that. There's also a what you might call a didactic approach, which is just patient instruction of people, and that tends to be more individual, I mean, where we are talking one-on-one with with people. And then there's also the dialogue, <clears throat> dialogical approach, which is which is you know you're reasoning with people, and and so you know in the public square we need to not just simply be speaking prophetically, but we need to speak with reason and logic and and direction for those individuals so you know this is what paul does on mars hill and and acts chapter 17 he does that the the didactic approach is jesus with nicodemus at night you know uh, talking to him patiently instructing him you know of course nicodemus goes away disappointed um but maybe we see him at the end of uh, the Gospels where he's there, one of those that takes Jesus from the cross.
2: Yeah, yeah. let me, um, <clears throat> I'm glad, Jonathan, you brought in Paul on Mars Hill because I think he, he, Paul gives us a great example of how, to, of how to be bold and civil at the same time. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul in, in Acts 17, Paul is sharing the Gospel. He's on Mars Hill uh, where, where orators could come and uh, proclaim and uh, have a, and have a hearing. And uh, Paul has been. Paul has before he gets to Mars Hill. Paul has spent several days walking around the city and looking at the various temples and idols. Mm-hmm. And and you can. And it doesn't say this in the text, brothers and sisters, but you can bet that Paul was incensed. I mean, his Jewish heart is both broken and incensed by the idolatry that he has seen around that city. Um, His biblically saturated heart is deeply offended by that. And when when he gets up on Mars Hill, he doesn't say, you bunch of wretched idolaters. Uh, No. He says, and, and I picture him biting his Jewish tongue so hard that it's bleeding. And when he says, I see that you are all by, I see that you are by all means a very religious people.
1: Yeah. He he doesn't speak to them as he he doesn't address them as sinners. He he addresses them as worshipers. And then he yeah. goes on to tell them about the God the the, the God their unknown God that they Yes, have created. I see.
2: Yes, he says I see that you even have a temple to an unknown God. Let me tell you about this God that you don't know. And then he proceeds to give them the gospel. But mm-hmm. he, he you know, he in B, he's prophetic, but he's not offensive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what we often miss is that the, the prophetic, many of the prophetic uh, speeches, for instance, in the Old Testament, let's take Elijah with the prophets of Baal. And man, he doesn't hold the woo. He, he, Elijah is, is uh, it's invective. Mm-hmm. But he's speaking to the people of God. He's speaking to the people who ought to know better. He's mm-hmm. speaking to the people who have the word of God and have corrupted it with idolatry. He's not speaking to people who don't know.
1: Mm -hmm.
3: If we go back to the original question about what what issues must the church speak about, and I think if I was to give a short answer to that, I would say we speak about issues that pertain to the great two commandments, love of God, love for our neighbor. So we always have to speak when the honor um, of God is at stake, um, that the truth of the word of God is at stake, um, but we have to, to speak when love of neighbor is also in play. And so we speak the gospel. We proclaim the truth of God's word. We um, defend um, the name and um, person of of God. Um, but we also speak love to our neighbor. Um, the Heidelberg Catechism says, I should love the truth, speak it candidly, and openly acknowledge it. And I should do what I can to defend and advance my neighbor's honor and reputation.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: And so it's love of God, love of of neighbor. And I think that pushes the church to speak. Um, And then when we refrain, we should be asking ourselves, am I speaking because I want to or because I love God and my neighbor? And that can be a, a help to determine when we do or don't. That's good. Well,
0: you've listened to the Gospel for Life. We're going to continue this discussion on civil discourse tomorrow. If you've missed any of our past broadcasts, just subscribe to the Gospel for Life podcast, and you can get caught up. We'll see you next time.